Welcome everyone. Welcome everyone to another issue of Tales from the Spinnerack, our weekly comic book review podcast. And uh, from the Absolute Geek Podcast, I am Matt, and as always with me from Audio Ammunition, I have Jay. How's it going? Not Tom King. Hello, friends. Not Tom King. Not not somebody this week, huh? No, definitely Guys, not. Poor Tom you're coming King. to you an hour earlier. <laughs> Because, well, half an hour earlier, because someone has a super soft birthday party they got to get to. So <laughs> we're going to quickly run through last week's books. Um, hopefully you guys got to get to your comic book shops and picked up some uh, some choice reads last week. And we're going to go ahead and give you our opinions on the books we picked up last week, as always, as we do every week on this show. So do you want to... You want to kick us off? You want me to kick us off? What do you, what do you want to do with this? this um, I can start off... I'll start Don't sound so interested. Don't well, sound you know, so enthusiastic it, to just jump right in there. There's not a lot. There wasn't a lot to be enthusiastic about. Oh, there's tons. Week. There's tons. You just didn't get the right books. Yeah, I guess. I guess. So first book um, that I got was, or that I'm going to talk about is uh, Daphne Byrne, which is a Hill House book um, that D- DC is putting out. Part of the uh, uh, Joe Hill, the author Joe Hill's uh, little sub brand there, and they're horror books. As you you know, if you're familiar with Joe Hill, you you probably guess that. So Daphne Byrne is or is, so it takes place in uh, the 1800s. Okay, and basically the whole thing is about a little girl that is kind of dark and doesn't fit in. And she gets bullied because her family doesn't have a lot of money and she's kind of weird and she's kind of creepy. And her dad recently passed away who she loved very much. So her mom is, she lives by herself with her mom. And and so her mom so that she doesn't of, live by herself. She lives with her mom. Well, with her mom, but she doesn't live with, she doesn't have any siblings or anything. And so, so she doesn't uh, live by herself. She, she lives with her mom. Let's just, yeah, yeah. Okay. She lives with her mother. Sorry. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I live one by day, myself, but you know, my mom's there too. Yeah. You know, the parental units around somewhere. My roommates. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no roomies. And so her mom, is also going through, uh, you know, her own problems after her, her husband's death. And so she comes to, to Daphne one day and she says, Hey, you're never going to guess. I, I spoke, I spoke to your dad. And she says, what? Says, yeah. I spoke to your dad through this person. Okay. This, this person helped me, speak to him. I, I, I paid her all this money. And he said, here, drink and I this Kool-Aid. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and so, so she's kind of really skeptical. And so she take her mom takes Daphne to the, the medium or, or whatever. This is supposed to be like a seance. And so of course, um, Daphne being the kind of bright little girl that she is, sees right through it. And, she says, you know, mom, you're dumb. This is a hoax. 
you know, you, you wasted all your money. And the fact that they were like really poor makes it even worse. So um, that evening it showed like their dinner and they like had like these little scraps because she basically spent all their money on this seance. So the weird happens. I know that's the worst. And so that evening she falls asleep and she has a dream where she's in a graveyard and this like dark Dracula looking dude basically, you know, is like, come with me. And she's like, who are you? And she's like, and, and uh, she basically says, you know, are you coming to see my father? Am I, you know, are you taking me to see my father? And she goes, and he goes, no, I'm taking you to see your real father. And, he goes, so there's something you have to do first. And so he like has her try to kill a pig, right? Like with a knife. There's just pig tied up. And he's like, before we go see a real father, you need to kill this pig. Well, so wait, the pig is already tied up. Yeah, yeah. He's but tied up. She's gotta try to kill it. Yeah, she's well, she has to like stick a knife in it and sacrifice okay, so it. She has to kill it. And I want you to try and kill this pig that's already tied up. I've already done the work well, for you. You just got to finish of, it. It's more of a mental finish obstacle it. at this point. Finish it. You know, it's not like a like a little greased piglet at the county fair that she has to catch. And so, how'd you know my high school nickname? <laughs> greased piglet. So um, we don't talk about that. <laughs> that's for another time and another show. Um. So she. She kills it and like blood splatters everywhere. And then she wakes up and in, you know, in reality, and she wakes up and there's she blood had her on her first hands. Period. You know, that's kind of, you could kind of interpret it that way if, if you were kind of she sick. She became a woman. <laughs> she flowered. The first day of the rest of her life. In my dreams, I murdered a pig. And then when I woke up, I had become a woman. That's is that symbolic? My there, flower there, was blooming. Hopefully, there's not a parallel there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was the book. And you know, the thing that really disappoints me is I always tell people who who want to get into comics, I say, hey, um, judge the the book by its cover. You know, that's what it's there for. You know, maybe you know with novels, you know, you go into a Barnes and Noble or whatever, and you know, you, you can't always judge a book by its cover but in comics that's the first thing you see and everyone knows it so they put a lot into the cover to lure you in and and to try to buy the book so in my opinion you should judge a comic book by its cover and this one was pretty cool because it had some creepy looking like salem's lot vampire guy you know in and it was, I don't know. It, it was pretty disappointing to me. I think it's, I don't know if that's so still true to this day as far as comic goes with trusting them, by, judging them by their cover, because even a lot of the times nowadays, the covers have nothing to do with the interiors. It really just depends on the book. No, maybe not. But you have to admit that they do try to make the cover dazzle. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They make the cover stand out and they make it grab your attention, absolutely. But I, I wouldn't say that a lot of times, I don't think the cover has much to do with the interiors most of the time, especially with like 
it just depends on the book. Like Walking Dead, most of the times their covers had nothing to do with their interiors. It's just yeah. like they, they put a cool piece of art on the cover to to grab your attention. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I mean that, you know, by if you're like a first time or, you know, comic book buyer and you walk into a store and yeah, if, if for whatever reason that cover grabs your attention and you're interested in that sort buy it, you know? So anyway, that's all I mean by that. Yeah. No, it doesn't necessarily represent what's inside. Yeah, that's for sure. Gotcha. But yeah, um, Daphne Byrne. I was a little disappointed. Um, I I'm gonna give it two and a half out of five. Oh my god! You should tweet her, tweet her at her. <laughs> let her know. Tweet. Let her know your disappointment. No, I'm not gonna be one of those, man. <laughs> tweet at her. Hate tweeter. So yeah, I I think probably it's it's. It was me. I think I just put too much stock in all of these Hill House books. So I was, I don't know. And the, the thing that, like, nothing really, I don't know. It was just a decent introduction, I suppose. But, you know, nothing really happened. So it petered out for me. What do you got? Uh, so this week I'm going to start off with the uh, one of the two big books from last week. This book is making its rounds if you are a uh, a speculator out there. Uh, TMNT Power Rangers number two. That's the Michelangelo variant. Um, I'm collecting all those kind of variants. This book was huge on the speculation market as it is the first appearance of the Shredder as the Green Ranger. That's right. You heard it right. Shredder as the Green Ranger. And if you're watching this on the YouTube playback or watching this live, I'm going to show you right now. I'm going to spoil it up for you. <laughs> there is the picture of the Shredder as the Green Ranger. Very huh. want to see it. Um, basically, other than that, I still like this book. It's still a um, nostalgia love baby between two of the, my favorite things growing up. Um, Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. Like I said, all you needed to do is mash Ghostbusters in there and it's like an, a trifecta of orgasmly childhood greatness. <laughs> so, um, it's you have in this book. You so it starts off with the Power Rangers and Turtles still fighting each other, and they're talking back and forth. Like, you know, the Power Rangers think that the Turtles are are a monster from Rita, and the the Turtles all understand who the Power Rangers are, and they're kind of like, why, you know, why are you fighting us? Let's we should be working together and. Donatello is a big fan of the Power Rangers and they kind of come to the, the they, they kind of start to understand each other that they're the good guys and they've got a common enemy in the Shredder and the Foot Clan that they're trying to beat and um, they go to Zordon and Zordon tells them look you guys got to trust the Turtles you got to trust the Turtles as much as you would trust your own own partners and your other Rangers so the, the Rangers take their helmets off and they kind of introduce themselves to the Turtles and the Turtles take them down to the in the sewer to hide and introduce him to Splinter in April. And that's kind of where you see that. And then you find out that Tommy has infiltrated the foot clan in order to save someone from Angel Grove that uh, has decided to join up with them. And he gets double crossed by this kid and, and the shredders got him in a cage. And he, he basically says, you know what? He's like, you, you think you've got the upper hand, but I'm going to show you. So he pulls out his, his morpher to go morph into the green ranger 
And as he does, he gets shocked by the cage and knocked out of his morphing. And the Shredder picks up his his morpher and he's like, thanks for showing me how to do that. And Rita comes from the moon to to try and get, because she f- feels the disturbance in the power grid to try to get the the green power coin back. If everyone knows but the Power Rangers lore, you know the lore between the green power coin and Rita. I'm not going to go into all that. Um, but uh, to get her green power coin back and as she, she comes to get it back, she confronts Shredder. And she says, give me my power coin before I vaporize everybody. And he said, he basically says, oh, yeah, you think you're hot stuff. And then transforms. He uses the morpher and transforms into the Green Ranger. And he's like, you can have the morpher back when you pry out of my cold, dead hands. And that's the final panel right there of him transforming into the Green Ranger. All in all, I give that book four or five. Nice. Still runs the nostalgia market. It was cool seeing the Shredder as the Green Ranger. Um. Issue two, the only reason I don't go five is because issue two, you're already issue two and you're already pulling out all the stops while showing Shredder as Green Ranger. I think you could have you could have held that back for maybe another issue or two before you made that that big reveal, but you know what? I'm all in. He looks dope. The art in it is cool. The story is cool. It's an interesting mashup. Um, I'm down for the ride. So you're saying the, the load was blown too soon? Huh? I think so, yeah. It's a little premature. Hmm. A little premature no. EJ. <laughs> Keeping nice. it family friendly here. So like last week where I couldn't do that to save my life. Do what? Keep it fair. Keep the show family friendly. Oh yeah, yeah. It's tough sometimes for you absolute geek guys. I understand. Oh, God. <laughs> so um okay, let me ask you this. Did you read X Force number five? I did read X Force number five. All right, because that's the one I want to go into next. Let's do it. I which, think. Which cover did you get? Um, I got the one with Forge standing there with all this, like all his, like techno organic armor. I picked up the Colossus goatee variant. Ooh, that's pretty cool. That's the one I picked up. Um. Okay, so I think. X Force <clears throat> is is becoming my favorite X title. Becoming, it's already been mine. <laughs> that and you know, Marauder, it, that and Marauders. But I'm telling you, like I've yet to have a soft. Well, I've had one soft issue of X Force. I've had two soft issues of Marauders now. Hmm. Hmm. It's not looking good for Marauders. So this uh, X Force number five picks up. Right where number four left off, which and, most comics do, which is Wolverine is still sitting in half, like his sep his legs and his his torso are. are well, yeah, we separate. didn't talk about that. Him and uh, Kid Omega, Kid Omega have been blown apart. Yeah, Kid Omega's been been, been beheaded. Yep, and uh, and Logan's in half. So they this this. This issue is basically Domino's revenge on on her on her captors. So Logan, Domino, and Kid Omega were sent in here, and <clears throat> the the mercenaries pretty much started blowing crap up immediately. Well, yeah, they tried to come through the portal in mm-hmm. from Krakoa to where the mercenaries were, and they blew up the portal. 
And, and, the, so, uh, and of course, the first two across were Kid Omega and Wolverine. So yeah. they were blown to smithereens. And you kind of had Domino left on the other side trying to to radio Wolverine, you know, Logan to see what's going on. And that was kind of cool watching her like drag his, his lower half back across the on their side of the portal. I know. And I didn't even think about it, but you know, she said something about, you know, friggin' adamantium. Yeah. Dude, those is. legs must wait right. a lot. <laughs> and so so Domino with you know with her luck with her luck abilities in, in full again and well she does so, it though because she keeps she makes reference to it a couple of times in the in the book how her ruck her, how her luck is run low. So oh, that's right. Okay. She, so I don't think she's at. She's not at a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. And so, but in this world, so real quick though. But like in this world of Krakoa, where she is like half Krakoan. Well, she's like got this bio armor on now that Forge gives her. With, with Krakoa's ability to to regrow people, why wouldn't you just kill yourself? If you're all fucked or all messed up like that already, I just screwed it up. If you're all messed up like that already, why wouldn't you just like have Logan stab you or or blow yourself <laughs> up, you know? And or she could have been the first one through the portal and blown up, and then they could regrow her, you know? And that way she's whole again instead of being like half Krakoan. It just makes her look cooler. You think it just so? makes her look tougher. It kind of makes her look tougher. You got it. Definitely admit. makes her look tougher. Yeah. And so she just pretty much goes to town on these guys. And it's, it's kind of cool because, um, you know, you got beast, you know, on the other end of the radio kind of basically saying we need survivors. Okay. And as she's just like, you know, ripping these guys apart. Um, and, so she, she and Forge and Forge now has like this huge like like uh like the bio armor the Krakoan bio armor suit, um which is like part plant, part dragon know, metal. Fly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's in there. He's he's in the mix now too, with with Domino and they're um they're start tearing apart mercenaries. Wolverine, despite missing the lower half of his legs, still chops a few of them up also. Um, and so the, the whole thing basically ends with, with Domino getting, getting back at them quite a bit. She did manage to keep one of the dudes alive, one of the mercenaries alive, which she does take back to beast where, Beast and Jean Grey um, kind of you know, Beast tries to interrogate him but he doesn't get much but Jean Grey uh, goes into his mind and pretty much reveals who is behind these these Krakoan attacks and as far as I know I, I couldn't recognize who that was did you? Um. well so it's been the guy that's been the villain since the beginning it's the dude with the peacock tattoo yeah, but he's not an existing villain, right? No, he's a new villain. Okay, yeah. He's new for this this he's uh I believe he's a uh a Hickman created villain. So art awesome, pace great, fantastic. Um 
the the dialogue and the right. I mean, it's not okay. So this whole thing, it's not without heart. You know, it's that sounds stupid because I just described a big splatter fest, which it was, but it does have its 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 moments of, um, you know, it has a soul. Is what I guess what I'm trying to say. It's not just a big splatter fest. And so that's that's why I like it a lot. It's it's kind of got you know a little bit of everything. So I uh, I give this book. I'm going to give it four point five out of five. Yeah, I mean it. It has a little bit of everything. I like how the the violence factor in this book has stepped up a little bit more. Yeah, I have to agree with you there with a four or five. Um, the pacing was good. The art is fantastic. I like the step up in the violence. I like the scene of of Wolverine on top of the dude, like his bottom half, and he's just stabbing him in the back. <laughs> um, I like the, I like the fact that like that old guru guy finally got off the hilltop, and he's he's doing something now, and you know Forge with that armor, and I like that Forge basically picks up Wolverine's torso and his upper half and slams it together, and. Yeah. Wolverine starts screaming for him to let him go and he's like, I can't let you go until your spinal cord fuses back together. So, you know, it's... <clears throat> this had some very interesting um, uh, variables in this book. It was it was a very interesting issue. I liked the, the change in Domino where you're seeing her just go ham and like she's not listening to anybody. She can't control herself and like Beast is just losing his mind on the other end of the comms. And yeah. It's just like <clears throat> you know, if this this whole idea of X Force is gonna work, you you need to listen to me. Like, there's no reason to have this covert group if you're not gonna listen to me. We're not gonna use it till it's full effect. And I like I said, it just it was interesting. I like the stuff with Jean Grey at the end. I really, I mean, I have no problems with this issue. Yeah, I really liked the part where when the battle was over, Domino and Wolverine were sitting on that cliffside overlooking the sunset and i don't know it's kind of like a, a nice little it kind of pumps the brakes a little bit yeah you know where where she says um wolverine comes up to her and says hey how are you holding together dom and she says should be asking you the same and wolverine says feels like a piece of you know curse word expletive <laughs> but i'll be all right this time or with time. And she says, what about the other wounds? The other, the wounds up here. And she like shakes his, you know, like hair. I don't know. It's just kind of a nice moment. A nice, you know, I don't want to say tender moment, but it's kind of a cool little moment to, to catch your breath in all of this, you know? Um, but I don't know. I, I like, mo I like moments like this. I think this is, it's times like this when you kind of get to know, the characters that are doing all the fighting and, and you, you get to know their, their relationship with each other and, and, and which I find pretty important. Um, so yeah, that, that was probably my favorite part. One of my favorite parts is, is this. So well, one of the other things I really like is this, this issue does a lot to kind of show you really like you, you, you kind of look at Wolverine's healing ability as kind of like whatever, and like you're like, how much can he really, um, how much can he really have that? You know, how much can he really heal from? And like this issue, you see him get ripped in half, and then he still crawls over and starts stabbing this dude in the back, and then they start unloading on him, and he's like sitting there bullet ridden, 
on the ground, <laughs> just like blown to pieces, and there's like nothing left of him. And then Forge jams him back together with his other half to, to and he starts healing. It's you got to give it up for that healing factor, man. Like everyone's like, man, I'd like to have invisibility or flight, and not very many people would be like, I want to have a healing factor as a as a superpower. And I think uh, I think that would be a good one to have, especially if you get hurt and just heal right away. Right, right, exactly. So, so I think four or five is a fair it's a fair assessment for this this issue. And I think I, I was gonna go four, but I think you're right. The little the little tipping point at the end is that little that little happy moment between uh Wolverine and, and Domino at the end. Two characters you don't get enough interaction with between I Right. Think. Right, exactly. And 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 these two characters you think you know they would because they kind of have a lot in common you know yeah uh but yeah see i fully expect you to go you cheese ball or (laughs) but no yeah that's it's a good issue uh look forward to the next one quite a bit well let's go from talking about that book to talking to about a book that was a uh I don't I don't want to call it a real stinker, but I want to call it a, a book that um I'll call know. it that. <laughs> it was a it was a weak showing but a strong finish that it, that excites you for the next issue. I'm talking Excalibur number five. This book was um something else. Uh, it pretty much focused on, if you've been reading this book, it focused on the uh, the dream realm or the other realm where uh, Betsy Bryant has been going to try and save her brother is crossing over into the real world and they're trying to stop it. Um, for some reason, Apocalypse needed Rogue to do this. And as they're fighting these monsters that are coming across, Gambit doesn't like the fact that Rogue is being used as a pawn. So he tries to wake her up. He effectively wakes her up, which in turn messes up um, basically Apocalypse's ceiling technique that he's trying to do. And he pretty much messes up Gambit or tries to mess up Gambit. So when Rogue wakes up, she pretty much loses her mind and she goes after Apocalypse and she takes down Apocalypse and she's she's killing him. And has, as she's absorbing him, He's sitting there egging her on, being like, yes, do it, do it. This is the power we need to close the gates. Do it. Kill me. You need to kill me. You have to kill me. And he's egging her on to do it. And sure enough, she does it. And and Gambit kind of looks up at her at the, the last panel. And to her surprise, you've got the first appearance of uh, Apocalypse Rogue or whatever they're going to call her. But she has absorbed Apocalypse, so she now has the blue skin. She looks like Apocalypse in, in Rogue's body. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes from, from here. To me, that was really the only saving grace of this issue. This is issue five, mm-hmm. where, where, as I said, the Power Rangers Ninja Turtles needed to take a little bit longer for that reveal. This took too long for this reveal. This took too long to wake Rogue up. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it It's this... This series kind of has two more five. of a fantasy. 2.5? 2.5. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 yeah, that's a good, that's a decent, that's a decent uh, score. But 
uh, you know, there's there were a couple of other times when I was ready to bail on this book, and then the cliffhanger at the end made me go, oh, I'll just wait one more. You know, and and man, it's you know, with all the X titles, I think I was telling you and Corbin before, it was fine. You know, back in the day when you had like you know five or six X Men titles, and they were all monthly, and you see, like, okay, well now you have an X Men book once a week, which is kind of cool, or maybe sometimes a couple times a week, but for the most part, it was once a week. These are all bi-weekly, you know, or bi-monthly, which they come out twice a month. And it, it can't it, – it's so – I think Corbin pretty much bailed out on all of them. Yeah. I, you know, I'm getting ready to bail out on a couple of them. <clears throat> Excalibur, I'm just – I'm hanging on by just threads at this point. Um, but Apocalypse Rogue definitely has me – it's gonna have me back at least next issue. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Excalibur is very self aware, and it, it's self aware that they're like, oh man, maybe this wasn't the best issue, and they're like, well, we gotta throw something at the end to, to try and pull everybody back off the edge. I hope so. I hope so. I hope this book picks up. But so yeah, two point five all around. I think it's fair. It is. And even the art's not all that great. I'll tell you what I do with this book. All right. I picked it up. I started reading it. Got to like the third or fourth page. And I was like, this is really boring. I'm not invested in this at all. I started looking at my phone. I started listening to the news. If I'm listening to the crap that's going on in the world versus reading this, my escape, there's a problem. I'm like, (laughs) you know, I'm just not into this book. I started flipping through and I got to that last page and I was like, what the? And that's what made me, it's like, all right, I got to go back and read this book. And I, I muscled through it just to get to the end. But that's what did it is I flipped to the last page and I saw, I, was, I saw her as apocalypse and I was like, all right, I guess I got to go back. And I <laughs> went back and finished reading it, but it was, I was, yeah, Oh, it was. In fact, I was trying to, to, power through it even right up until we started the podcast and Matt's like do me a favor turn to the last panel <laughs> I did I had like four or five pages left to go and I did I'm like sold that's all I needed but good transition so let's go from one book that was a chore to get through to another and I'm talking 20xx Ooh. I know this book everyone's gonna say but Matt Jay, you guys talked so highly about it a couple of episodes ago. And you're right, we did. But you know what? Because it was good. Some things happen. And I'm hoping I'm going to still give it my my four-issue run here. But um, I'm hoping that it gets better. Because issue two was hot trash. Issue yeah. two for me was hot trash. It lost. It completely... I've never had a book completely wipe my interest from issue one to issue two away in one issue. And this book did it. And Mm -hmm. I just felt like the pacing was bad. The dialogue was sloppy. It was, you were having a hard time trying to understand what's the characters at the beginning of the book were talking about. Um, It's not, it just was not a fun read for me. I mean, it gets 
some of these word bubbles in the it gets real wordy in the middle, like some Super of these conversations wordy. and these word bubbles are like half the, there's very minimal art in the frame. And most of the frame is just word bubbles for conversation. And I'm like, what is this? And I was like, I don't know. When I got, I finished, I was like, literally, what did I just read? So this book, 20 XX issue two, is going to get a 0.5. <laughs> Point five. <sighs> yeah, yeah. You know, five, I was point fiver, man. Like I was very surprised. Like, like you said, um, I liked the first one so much, and I just picked it up. Honestly, I just picked it up because you were picking it up, and I wanted to, something to discuss. And I'm like, oh, and it's it, it had it got a lot of press. You know, a lot of people was like, oh, I can't wait for this book, and a lot of. And so I got it, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. It was pretty good. But this th this went from, <coughs> excuse me, the story of one person going through these the these this trying time and her world just crashing down around her to like gangs, like rival gangs. Yeah, and there were. Like Matt was saying, it's so wordy. And I mean, there's some panels here that are exactly the same with just different word bubbles all like through. I'm like, let what? Me, let me put it for people who, who maybe haven't read this book. All right. Issue one was like watching an episode of The Boys. If you watch The Boys on on uh, Amazon Prime, issue one was like watching an episode of The Boys to watching an episode of Frasier in episode two. <laughs> like, it was very dialogue heavy. It just was not an attention grabber for me. Um, I, I gotta go point five. I gotta go point five. And you know, yeah. I might even break in my four issue rule. If, if issue three, I'm, I might do my due diligence for issue three and pick it up and skim it at the comic book shop. And you know, because this week was a heavy week, and I was like, I don't want to spend fifty bucks in comics, so I got to make sacrifices. So I was like, I know I liked twenty XX issue one. Let me pick up issue two. Issue three, I'm definitely going to do a uh, precautionary scan on before yeah. I pick that bad boy up because I'm not happy that I spent, what, $3.99 on a book that I'm going to give a point five to? Yeah. Like, like I yeah. said, issue one was like watching an episode, reading an episode or an issue of The Boys, and issue two is like Frasier. It's, yeah, it was not good. It was not good. Too many... Too many new characters talking about a lot of crap you've never, you don't even know. And you're, you're getting these backstories of these people that you don't care about. And I'm sorry, but I am not a big fan of like, you know, like gang culture. And that's where this is going. You know, I did a bad drug deal with the East side and now the West side wants to kill me, but the West side doesn't know the East side knows. And I'm like, who cares? Well, if you don't know, now, you know, now, you know, and I'm like, I'm about, I, in fact, I, I kind of, I stopped reading it maybe three fourths of the way through and I got, I got back into it when I saw the main character again, who didn't appear hardly throughout the entire issue until like towards the end. And I'm like, eh, no, nah, I'm out. 
Kyle uh, Fuchs, I get, Frazier was awesome. Frazier may have been may have been an awesome show to watch, but if you were reading it in comic book form, good God. <laughs> yeah, so you get point two five. I'm like, gonna give it it was like reading an episode of Couch Crunchers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna give it an I'm gonna give it a point one five. Well, at least you got a little bit better score from you than it did for me. Point five. Point five is where I'm sticking. <laughs> so yeah. What else you got? I, I'm not getting this again. I'll I'll see what you what you say if you get it. Um Let's. You want to do uh, Batman eighty six? Go for it. I didn't pick it up. Batman eighty six was actually the book I sacrificed for twenty XX, and I'm a little disappointed Ooh. I did because I know that um, people are excited for um, Tinian or Tanyan, as Corbin wants to call him, Tanyan or Tanyan taking over the the writing duties in Gotham now. So. I'm interested to hear what your opinion on on the new Batman. Um. So yeah, like Matt was saying, James Tinian, the fourth, is took over writing duties. Tony S. Daniel is doing the the pencils, and freaking it looks it looks fantastic. Art's so great. Um. And well, okay, so. I don't. I, I see, I'm, I'm very hesitant to spoil this. Just but, spoil it. It was a week ago. Okay. So so yeah. So Batman. Um, I'll just run it down real quick. Uh, but you haven't you haven't read it, so I don't want to spoil it for you. It's fine. Um, so Again, Batman came out a week ago. Gets um, gets the word that there's like an assassins a group of assassins getting together. And <clears throat> I'll just go through it like really loosely. Uh, and so basically the head of these assassins, they're being put together by Deathstroke. And Shocker. Death's Shock. Yeah, I know. Deathstroke <laughs> is the flavor of the month at DC apparently. Is he? Why, why do you say that? Is he another Because he was in Titan. He was the main bad guy in Titans. And he's just kind of been all over the place as of late. Hmm, that's interesting. And so Batman um, and Deathstroke get into it, and Batman gets beat up pretty pretty bad. And um, but he finally, you know, he finally gets Deathstroke, and there is um, this part that's really, I don't know. I, I kind of like that he that, that he kept some of the stuff in it. One of the one of the things is is uh, Alfred is still dead, and there's a part where um, Deathstroke's laying at, at at Batman's feet, and he he calls up Lucius Fox, and he says, "Hey, Alfred, I need you to to, to call call the commissioner and tell him to to prepare some some cells in, in the you know the, in the max security wing," and. Lucius kind of sits there and goes, I, uh, I'm sorry, Bruce, Alfred, uh, Alfred isn't here. And, and then they show this part where like Batman just kind of looks down, you know, very, really solemnly and he says, you know, forgive me, Lucius. It's been a long night. I'm like, Oh, sad, ha- sad halt man. music plays. 
Oh, dude, it was really sad. And yeah, and, and so and the other thing that's kind of going on Alfred, is... prepare the wings. <laughs> He's dead, Batman. And in the uh the night crawler. That's him oh. playing his harp from heaven. <laughs> The the night crawler kind of makes an appearance. Wait, the night crawler? Marvel's gonna sue somebody. But they call it the night climber, I believe. Oh, okay. And it's not quite the same because it, it turns into a, like a plane. Oh, okay. So end. it's not like a teleporting mutant. No, 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 no. no I'm talking about the night crawler from uh from Batman versus was it Batman versus Superman? Or was it Justice League? The one he where was they're just fighting in the like it's crawling up the wall. Yeah, yeah, Justice yeah. League. Yeah. So that yeah, that's the one that kind of makes a an appearance in, in a form or another. Um, but the epilogue, there's kind of a Joker epilogue. Um also, which is pretty cool. Um, but all in all, man, I I I dug it. I thought it was a pretty cool, pretty cool story. Um again, the Art was phenomenal. Even if you, you know, didn't care for the story itself, just visually, it's visually stunning. So wait, wait, you're telling me that Tinian, or Tanyan, or Tanyan, or however you want to say his name, <laughs> is getting a Joker story right off the bat. It certainly looks like. Didn't it. we have a conversation about this last week, where mm-hmm. we felt like maybe DC didn't have all that faith in Tom King because. They wouldn't let him play with the crown prince of crime on his own, but yet Tinian's going to get handed the keys to the castle and the Joker, his, his first story arc in? Looks like that's where it's going. Yeah. So, but it's it's a good book. It's a good read, fun read. Um, you know, much like X-Force, you know, the, the, there was just a great dialogue, good pace, um, uh, I'm gonna give this one. I'll give this one a. I'll give this one a four out of five. Ooh. Four out of five for me. First, first James Tinian. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that they didn't start numbering them with you know back at number one again. I'm glad um, they didn't. I'm glad they just kept it going. Yeah, I'm kind of glad too. I, I I was really surprised when they did that with Superman. Yeah, there's no but, need to do that. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's that's my take on that. What, what do you got? Uh, let me go. Um, Venom Island, number two, which is coming for, for Venom twenty two with that sick ass variant cover right there. Oh yeah, well it's cool. Red and black variant cover. Um. This is a pretty ten, uh, low key issue. Uh, I think it's it's definitely setting up the events to come. Uh, Eddie has found himself on Venom Island, and he is making the preparations to try and separate his symbiote from Carnage. Because if you remember at the end, at the end of the events of the Carnage crossover, um, though the two symbiotes are are pretty much together now. So he's booby-trapped this island from the last time they were on Venom Island, so he knows the island well. Um, 
and it, it's kind of like the whole issue is him inner monologuing, trying to get his symbiote back from and separate it from the carnage symbiote. And he's unable to do that as he see what he thinks he set a trap for the symbiote. He quickly realizes that he, the symbiote is the one that set a trap for him and the symbiote, the symbiote kind of, uh, reaches out and grabs him and attaches himself to, to Eddie Brock's hand and won't let him go. And he's like, you know, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill this, your, your partner and I'm going to take you over too. And you're never going to get him back. And basically you came in here thinking that you were going to save him. And now you're the one that needs saving. And basically long story short, at the end of it, Eddie Brock says he, he promises to come back for his symbiote and then he cuts his own hand off to separate himself from the carnage symbiote so he can get away to fight another day. Oh, jeez. Boom. Wow. So, uh, I'm going to give it a 3-5. Pretty tame as far as the comic goes, but it's building up to the greater story as the God symbiote is still coming from space. The cover is dope. The story was, was, wasn't bad, but it wasn't, you know, groundbreaking either. So, I think 3-5 is probably about a fair assessment. Okay, cool. Um, go ahead. What do you what do you, what do you got next? Or do you want me to keep going? I've got one here. I've got a couple more. Um, I picked up the clock number one. Um, that image put out, and it's uh, Matt Hawkins, the writer. Colleen Doran and uh, Brian Valenza were the artists. And I didn't really know what to think. I just, the cover looked pretty cool. And I know, um, I believe Matt Hawkins wrote a book a few years ago called Symmetry, which I thought was pretty good. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pick this up. And it was pretty dull in my opinion, um, and again, that's just my personal thing. I was expecting something different, but the book's about a group of scientists, American scientists, and you, it starts off in Africa in a, like a quarantined, uh, like camp. It kind of reminded me of like district nine kind of, and there was like this, this like, you know, the shoddy camp full of like hundreds of tents and it's all fenced off. And mm-hmm. you realize that <clears throat> it's a father and son uh, that are heading this team of scientists and, and these, the, this little quarantine area, <clears throat> it's a control group because apparently um, the rest of the world is getting a viral form of cancer. Ooh. And, it's spreading Viral really, cancer. really. Quickly. Yeah, it's spreading really quickly, and this area of Africa, it's not <laughs> spreading. <laughs> and so they want to figure out why. And so they 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 got these guys as a control group, and they can't figure out why. They it's like they, there's nothing special about these guys. It's it's we don't know what's going on. So they go back to the states. Where they're uh, they're they're in this hearing and they're 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 basically reporting their findings to to a group of leaders uh, and 
<clears throat> the scientists kind of, you know, they say, well, okay, well, this is what we found out. This, this cancer, it's spreading really quickly. And we think that the only, that it's affecting people that are going to get cancer at some point in their lives. It's just accelerating that, you know, by, you know, a huge fact. It's, it's really quickly. It's enhancing that, that gene or that those cells. And so they, the guy said, the scientist says, well, it, we anticipate half the world's population will be dead in a year. And the scientists or the, the you know, the, the Congress kind of like, <gasps> and they said, well, what do you want to do about it? <clears throat> and this, and the, the guy goes, one of the scientists guys goes, um, I don't think we should do anything about it. And that's kind of where it ends, you know, and, and he, he kind of goes on and on about saying, imagine a planet that's, that's, you know, the, the the human population is exploding so rapidly and so much of the earth's resources are being depleted. It, you know, imagine if suddenly half of the human population ceased to exist, we could start repairing earth and, you know, making it a more inhabitable place to, to live a better place to live for future generations. So that's why, they don't want to do anything. It's like we're, we don't want to find a cure. We think this is this is a this may not be a bad thing, and, and that's kind of where it ended, more or less. Not my thing. Little dull. You know, maybe a Amazon Prime miniseries. You know, maybe this could have been like a the, the new the season three of Jack Ryan or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I was kind of bored. I don't think I'm going to continue. But the art was pretty cool. And again, the story was, was good. I didn't have to, you know, power through it at all. I'll give it a three out of five, but it's just not my cup of tea. I'm not, I don't think I'm coming back for issue two. It's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. You got anything else? That's too bad. Uh, yeah. Moving on for me here. Uh, I'm getting down to the end of my list. Uh, this week we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 101. I had to pick up both covers because look, both A and B covers are absolute fire. There's, <laughs> there's the A cover right there, and then there's the B cover right there. So, like I said, both covers to me, in my personal opinion, were absolute fire. Um, this. 101 is the first issue from the fallout after the death of Splinter and at the end of issue 100. Um, six months have gone by since the death of Splinter and you see the effect that it takes on the turtles. Um, Raphael has kind of, he's taken off the colors. He doesn't wear the red bandana anymore. He's gone out in his own way. Um, if you were following the, the city at war storylines for this uh, basically mutagen got out and half of the population of the city is being turned into mutants. So they decide in order to, until they can figure out a way to counteract the mutagen, they wall off a certain section of the city. And that's where all the mutants live is in this walled off part of the city. So 
Raphael has taken off his colors and taken up the role of a, vig- a, vig- a loner vigilante. He wears all black now. He wears a black mask with a black hoodie um, going around fighting crime. And then you have uh, some of the other off-key characters have kind of started a like a, a support shelter for mutants that, mutant children and mutants that have been left by, by people who haven't turned. Um, and Michelangelo has kind of fallen into depression where he doesn't leave his bed and he hasn't left the bed in six months. And he's got kind of like a su- emotional support cat. And Leonardo <laughs> has, has withdrawn himself from the group and is, is, uh, taken up gardening and pretty much built himself a greenhouse. And it's all told like through the, uh, like a, a journal entry th- of Donatello's journal. Wow. Um, April O'Neil is kind of falling into to a depression and, and working a lot. Um, and you kind of see that the new turtle, uh, the new female turtle, Jen has, she kind of goes back and forth between the city and the farm where all the turtles are. And she's kind of like lost since the turtles have broken up and splinter's gone. She's, she's used to being a foot soldier. So she's kind of, lost that sense of of soldier and the clan so she's kind of doing her own thing and she comes across to another mutant like a mutant dinosaur who has befriended a a child albino turtle and she's trying to figure out who she is and she comes across this mutant dinosaur who's who's getting jumped by these other two mutants and she saves her and basically what makes this issue so special is that it, you it's the first appearance of Mona Lisa which is the uh, the j- dinosaur? So if you're huge on the spec market, Turtles 101 has the first picture or first appearance of Mona Lisa. And what people are f- speculating, if you watch the Turtles live action TV show um, in the 90s, they had a char- a female character. She was a turtle who was blue, um, and her name was um, Venus de Milo. And their speculation is that this albino turtle is going to be Venus de Milo. So if that's the case, this issue would also be considered the first appearance of Venus de Milo. So you're getting double first appearances in this issue. So definitely if you're in the spec game, Turtles 101 is one to check out, um, especially the the retail variant, 1 in 10 retail variant cover, if you can get that. But it it was good for me. Um, I give it I give it a four. It was. It's an interesting to see. Like, the, look, if you're a Turtles fan and you read 100, you know that they gave they gave Splinter what I feel is the definitive ending, and it's probably one of the best endings and deaths in comic book history. As far as if you go back, like, through all the lore of Turtles and kind of what Splinter's about, and you know Turtles at the core, the way 100 ends and the ending he gives feels very definitive. But it also feels perfect. And when we when we talk about movies and TV shows and how endings matter, it felt like they approached it with endings matter, and that character got his definitive ending. Wow! But now, now you're you're looking at these four brothers and or four brothers and five turtles all together that are used to turning to Splinter. They're used to turning to that father figure to to help them out of a bind or to have all the issues or to guide them and they don't have that anymore and they've kind of fallen apart and Raphael's out doing his thing and he doesn't come around anymore. Michelangelo's in a quipperling depression. Leonardo has reverted into being a gardener and, and kind of given up the, the way of the ninja. And 
it doesn't really show what Donatello is doing because like I said, it's kind of like the book is being written from the pages of Donatello's journal. So even, even April, you see the, the kind of the effect it's having on April and just all the, the, the ripple effects of his death has on, on the turtles even six months later. So I think this is an interesting time in, in turtles history. If you're, if you're not reading IDW Ninja Turtles, I think 100 101 is your jumping on point because they're changing everything you know about turtles right now and everything you're used to about turtles. It's completely getting changed. And now you're seeing life after splinter and what the, how the turtles are going to cope with that. And I'm, I'm down for the ride. I'm excited to see what issue one or two and beyond holds. Hmm. So that's cool. That's cool. You know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a title that I, I've tried jumping on to a, f- a few times I'll just grab random issues, you know, if, when I have extra money, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll see if I can. But I, I, it never like really sunk in. It never, I, I was never able to really grab on. Um, but maybe 100, I'll, I'll see if anybody has any copies of it left, and and I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. With the IDW run, it's very. Um, I mean, the art's usually good. It's very. It's been spotty for me. So, like my turtles, my IDW turtles runs are very is it's very spotty. There's a lot of holes in them because there's a lot of story arcs that just don't hit with me. And I'll I'll bail mm-hmm. on the book for a little bit and then I'll come back. But they've got a new creative team on this book now. They've got a new artist, a new writer on it moving forward as of issue 101. Like I said, and you're you're in uncharted territory. You're in territory that is not familiar to any turtles fan. You know, Splinter's gone. The turtles are in ter- are in turmoil. You've got to kind of see what brings them all back together and how they venture forth without their father figure, you know, it, yeah. it's something that all of us face one day in life losing a parent, but it's just, you gotta, you gotta see how some, you know, these four turtles who have known nothing different and have relied on splinter their entire life to, to cope and adjust. And where do they go from here? Wow, man. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. You sold me. I'm in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, that's that's tough. So there's never been any splinters been a constant throughout. Yep. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, well, the last book that I have is Marvel's uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Kylo Ren. And usually these books, they're very hit or miss. And for me, I, I, I mean, I'm a fairly big Star Wars fan, but these comics sometimes aren't so good. Um, Charles Soule, again, is writing this one as well as the new ongoing and the art's by a guy named Will Slinney, who I've never heard of before, but art's very good. And this book is also very good. I enjoyed issue one. And it, it pretty much just starts out where um, Kylo Ren burns Luke's Jedi Temple and runs away. Um, that was pretty much issue one. And issue two is a flashback story <clears throat> about the first time Luke and a young, maybe barely either 
barely preteen or just barely teenage Kylo Ren run into the Knights of Ren. Um, so again, I'm not, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's a pretty cool story. And supposedly all these comics are canon. So anything that happens, you can pretty much, you know, it, it's, it's part of official lore. So yes, um, they go in search of a Jedi outpost and Luke and Kylo and, and Lore Santeca, who's the old guy in the beginning of uh, Force Awakens, the guy that gives Poe the, the map to Luke and that gets killed. Um, so they, yeah, they go in search of a, an, a, like an abandoned Jedi outpost and that's where they encounter the, the Knights of Ren and they fight and one of the knights can kind of sense the dark side in Kylo Ren. And he basically, he takes his helmet off and, and he looks at Kylo Ren and he says, Hey, I know, I know you sense that there's more out there. And I know you sense that your master here isn't teaching you everything. He says, if there's ever a time when you want to know the whole truth, you come and find me and, and then they leave. So that was pretty cool. It, it was a good story. Um, like I said, the art was fantastic. I have no complaints. Um, I, I give this, I'll give this a 4.5 as well. Ooh. So this guy. Yeah. And, and that's, that's pretty rare because he doesn't want to like, hurt anyone's feelings. Given the high scores, <laughs> these star Wars books, man, sometimes are real, real stinkers, but this one seems to be, um, seems to be hitting the marks for me anyway. So given the high scores is he doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. No, the great Charles soul. You don't want him to take your soul. <laughs> So you're giving them the high scores. Sir, yes, sir. The high, the high and tights. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know. There were some clunkers in there. That's for sure. Not bad. Not bad. My last book of the night. I don't know if you picked this up. Um, Fallen Angels number five. Yes, I did. This book is finally, after five issues, starting to make a little bit of sense. And it's finally, after five issues, for me anyways, kind of kind of picking up here a little bit. And uh, I, liked, I liked the addition of Bling and Husk and, um, si you know, to the, to the story and... It's, it was nice kind of seeing that they're still trying to focus on that separation between Betty Bardock and Psylocke. Yes, um, they are. <laughs> it was nice seeing the basically the X-23 led team um, kind of fighting and, and training together. I mean, not a lot happened in the grand scheme of things because she's so she they're trying to hunt down um I can't think of it. I'm trying to figure out his name again. The the yeah the the villain, <clears throat> yeah, the robot dude. I'm trying to remember what his name is. Um, 
starts with an like a yeah a or a yeah a pock or something like that. I can't. It's terrible. I should write this. I should really take notes. I should really take notes. Um, yeah, I can't remember where it's at. But anyways, um, she's she's trying to find out where he's hiding, and uh, so she goes to Mister Sinister and asks him Apoth or Apath or Apoth, Apoth. So she's he's trying to find out where he's hiding, and she can't sense him. So because he's hiding in a different like reality almost and or dimension and she goes to mr sinister to have him try to like perfect her and change her to where she can detect him and she and he's like you don't need perfection you don't need changing you need um enhance you need technological enhancements so he gives her like this little nano chip that she puts on the side of her head and it separates her soul from her body so that way he can, she can go into the world where Apoth is and try to sense him. And she ends up doing that and finding him in Dubai. So she assembles um, her new team of X-23, Young Cable, and all these other mutants to go confront Apath in Dubai. And that's pretty much the gist of the story. Um, it ends with her doing that, but she kind of... Uh, is talking to Magneto and Magneto pretty much gives her the go ahead and says, you don't need, you don't need any more permission from the Kokoan secret council to do what you need to do. You're, you're pretty much operating as a sleeper cell and I, I have full faith in you to do what you need to do to complete your mission. And he gives her his full support and lets her go. And I mean, really like that's when I say not a lot happened, like that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, it's just cool to finally see the team, that team getting together. And uh, Magneto even, like, raises a jet for them to fly. And the final panel is them landing in Dubai and Apath sitting there staying, saying, basically saying Mother's home as he's taken over and corrupted the, the people of Dubai. So um, the art's still beautiful. Uh, I'm hoping it, it gets a little bit more interesting now that they're going after Apath. And it kind of seems like this identity crisis thing is maybe coming to an end. It, it, it wasn't as focused on as heavily in this issue as it no, focused right. on in other ones. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this this issue a three, a solid three. I feel like the art was still good. It moved the story. It moves the story at a snail's pace, but at least it's trying to to move ahead instead of lingering in that identity crisis type story it was going with see i i had the glass is half empty view where it seems like you had more of a positive um outlook on this ice oh they didn't focus on um their betsy and and psylocke's um mental split or physical split but they still touched on it and <clears throat> there were some cool parts in it you know i thought it was really interesting when first of all when is sinister named bar sinister i don't know like simon bar sinister from underdog yeah what uh, okay anyway because they call him bar sinister they've called him that a couple times i'm like 
when did the bar come in? Anyway, um, I thought it was kind of cool. Like when you said Sinister gave her that little, like a little piece of technology to put her on her head to find that villain. And he said, this is going to hurt a lot. And if it doesn't work, you're pretty much going to have permanent brain damage. Yeah. And you're gonna, she, like, your psyche is going to be ripped in pieces. Yeah. And, and she's like, why are you still talking? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, I didn't, I didn't really care much for bling or Husk. I thought Husk was kind of a boring character from before cannonball sister. Um, I, I didn't think much happened at all. And I'm kind of getting a little bit tired of it not progressing fast enough. But like you did say, the art is still really, really great. It's, I don't even, who is the artist anyway? Because gosh, it's got, it's, it's so good. It, it has like a, it has a very distinct look to it. It's very, it's got such like signature that it's, it, but it's, yeah, it's really good. Cable, the young Cable is uh, pretty much like a no-show, you know, he doesn't do anything. He hasn't really done anything. He's just kind of there in the background. And, and they're coming out with a young cable standalone series later on this year. Yep. Pass. Right. Hard pass. Um, I, uh, it depends, man. If next time this issue comes out, if it's a, if it's a, like a hot week, if it's a, if there's a lot of good books that week, I may pass on this. Yeah, uh, uh, it's not. I don't know. Like, I'm not excited by the second wave of X books to come out of this. Like, I'm gonna give Wolverine a shot. I think Wolverine might might be a, a sleeper book, but I'm kind of falling off on Fallen Angels, and I'm kind of falling off on Excalibur. Which, at the end of the day, that's fine because my wallet isn't taking as big of a hit. Yeah, um, and that gives me room to to go to other books and check out other things. But I think, I think I'm falling off because I like X 23. I like, um, Psylocke. I like the characters in this book, but it's just not, it's not progressing fast enough, like five issues. And I still feel like it hasn't really progressed. Mm-mm. Maybe I'm just an uncultured idiot. and Don't understand it. But like, it's no. just like, it's not progressing to me at all. No, it's not. And that's one of the reasons why it's, it's teetering. It's teetering on the edge for me. I, yeah, but it, like you said, it's, it's really great to look at. It's very beautifully drawn book. Yeah. But story wise, no, it just, it, it drags and it seems like it keeps revisiting things that you thought were already in the past. Like you thought they already got through it and it just, you know, and like I said, I like X-23 and well, I like who Psylocke used to be. I, I don't know, but I don't even know if that's enough to keep me. I don't think it is. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what, I don't know. I don't know. Well, so what do you think? What, what do you, did you already rate it? Um, I'm going to give it a two, five. I think I'll agree with that. A two five is a solid. 
a solid. I think it's, it's a fair. It's a more than a fair score. It might be a little bit more than I should give it, but I feel like two five is a is a fair score. See, I was gonna say you may be. A, I I could go three just because I didn't struggle through it. It's still it, it was still engaging enough, but like you said, it's just it's just not moving fast enough. I don't even. It almost seems like. I don't know. Maybe they don't even know where they want it to go. Who knows? Yeah. I but, think I think three five is fair. More than fair for it. Um guys, I mean I I I one of these days we'll be more prepared for this show. I mean, um this week we kinda had to throw it together. Corbin Corbin couldn't be with us at the last minute. Um you know, you might be wondering where, where Corbin is and I'll I'm going to turn it over to Kyle from Absolute Geek to tell you why Corbin isn't here. Because he's a busy guy because he's fucking busy. So Corbin <laughs> can't be here because he's a busy guy. So, uh, you know, maybe next week he'll be here with us. Who knows? Um, I'm saying that because I don't have a list of books coming out tomorrow that I'm looking forward to. Do you Do you have a list? Yeah, I got a, I got previews up here. Um Let's see. Image. Gosh, let me look. Not a lot for Image. Dark Horse has um, Aliens versus Predator, Thicker Than Blood, number two of four, which was a surprise hit for me. I loved issue number one. <clears throat> so I'm looking forward to Aliens versus Predator, Thicker Than Blood, number two. Um coming out tomorrow very much um idw for me um no nothing much well there's a book called rising sun number one not sure what that's about perhaps i'll pick it up um dc has uh for me blah 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 detective comics number 359 flash number 86 uh, Justice League. Oh no, I don't pick up Justice League Odyssey. That was boring. Um, the another book that I was really disappointed in in the in the Hill House stuff was Low Low Woods. Number two comes out tomorrow. Don't think I'll be picking that up. Nightwing number sixty eight. Definitely picking that up. And Marvel probably has a crap ton of stuff. Avengers number twenty nine. Picking that up. Iron Man 2020, number one of six. I don't know. Um, their ongoing Iron Man book, uh, just Tony Stark Iron Man, I believe just ended last month. And <clears throat> it's good that it did because it was kind of a stinker. Uh, gosh. What else is coming out of Marvel? Gosh, there's not a lot. It's cool. Wow, it's kind of a slow week. Um, I don't know if you'd be interested in this, but Venom the End, number one. Yeah, I was looking at that. I don't know what that, I don't even know what that is. Um, um, Dynamite, what, go ahead. You've got Iron Man uh, 2020, number one. Um, Jessica Jones, Blind Spot, number one. Uh, Spider-Man and Black Cat Strike number one. 
Revenge of the Ghost Rider number two. There, there's honestly, I don't. There's not a lot I'm gonna pick up tomorrow. I'm gonna be no. honest. There's, there's really nothing here that's catching my eye for ne- for next week. Uh, Red Mother number two comes out tomorrow. Didn't you get pick up number one? I think we um, both like that. Yeah. I mean, next week might be a a, a tough one to to pull through because. There really is not a lot. We'll keep you guys posted, but there's really not a lot as far as the week goes. Maybe that'll be a big a week. Undiscovered Country Three, if you're reading that. Um nope. that, might, <laughs> that might be a week where I just pick up some random stuff and uh see where it goes. You see, if if one was smart, I'm not talking about just you, because I do this as well. When you go, you know, because I have, you know, you're probably the same way. You have kind of um, a certain amount of of funds allocated towards comics. So when you go to the comic book store and you don't sp- and you don't spend the whole the whole chunk that you have saved for that, a smart person would say, "Well, I'm going to hold on to this for when the week is 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 is." Full when we, you know, when you have extra issues you want to buy, but see, you don't. You do what you, I do what you do, and say, I'll just pick up other random stuff and I'll just spend it. Yeah, which is kind of funny that you do that too, because I thought I was the only one that had no restraints, <laughs> no personal, you know, personal restraint. I just, nope, I just if, impulse if, if, I, if I see something I'm interested in, I'm, I'm pick it up. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm the same way. I wish I had that kind of, uh, I don't know, what would you call that? Uh, Restraint? Self, self-discipline, you know? <laughs> Restraint, self-discipline, yeah. yeah. Nope. But, yeah, slow week. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be enough to moan about. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, I, like I said, I might pick up Batman 86. I might pick up some books that I didn't read this week. Um Oh, you still need to get um, that one. Gosh, that one you said you think. Um, Dying is easy, number two. Dying is easy, number two. Yeah, I need to check that out. Uh, like I said, I might pick up some uh, some IDW books. I might pick up some image stuff. I might check out that Rising Sun, number one. Yeah. Um, you know, image image has some stuff coming out, so might pick up some image stuff. Um. I mean, they don't have it. That's surprising that the image doesn't have a number one coming out next week or coming out tomorrow, I should say. That's very interesting. Oh, well, onwards and upwards. But uh, there's there's some stuff I'll, I'll probably pick up and check out, but not a whole lot for next week, guys. So we'll see what we can scrounge up. Scrape up. Yes, sir. Um, but I think that'll do it for this week's episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack. I want to appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight in the chat. Um, and everyone listening to us tomorrow on the replay, um, guys, if you had a good time, make sure to check us out on our Facebook or our, not Facebook, but on our YouTube page, make sure to like and subscribe there. If you're listening to this, to this and anywhere you can get absolute geek podcast at, um, we appreciate you checking us out and make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. So you can catch us every Tuesday when we release uh, a new episode of spinner rack. If you have any books that you want to recommend to us or you want us to review, make sure to hit us up in the, the comment section below or on social media, uh, any of our social medias, and let us know, hey, guys, check this book out or, 
hey, review this, or hey, I disagreed with your review on that, or this is why this book sucks and you're an idiot. You know, whatever. <laughs> we we welcome everything. But for this week's episode of uh, or issue of Tales from the Spinner Rack, I am Matt. And I'm Jay. And we'll see you guys next week. Remember to support your local comic shop and keep them yeah. bagged and boarded. Super soft birthday party. Yeah, I'm six minutes late.